It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to hour number two of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Glad to have you with us. We've got plenty to get to, and the theme for this hour is all about two-wheeled rides. That's right. We're talking about motorcycles and scooters. As I often say here on the program, we're all about mobility. And believe it or not, that means so much more than cars and trucks to Jack's chagrin. <laughs> we'll get to that topic and uh, topics on tap in a little bit. But first, to join the conversation and reach out to Roadworthy Drive, to reach out to the crew, it's easy. Call or text me on the Roadworthy Drive line, and that number is 872-222-9793. If you would rather communicate via email, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll get you connected. Again, in studio for this second hour is the are the other members is are the other members proper English of the Roadworthy Drive crew, Jack at the controls. And Sasha, keeping the program well-grounded at mic number two. How we doing? I need sleep. Yeah. I need caffeine or meat. Excuse, excuse me. Steak. You, caffeine? A little bit. Wow. I like my you're tea. Kinda, well, now, you're kind of anti-caffeine. Now you got me hungry. <laughs> here, here we go. I think we go out to the place on Hickman. Oh, yeah. And go grab some prime rib or something like that. Yes. People, this is roadworthy drive, not foodworthy drive. No, but we're taking the road in the new truck that you're driving Uh so we could discuss the new truck as we're on our way to go get prime rib. There you go. And then we can also discuss linking to the trucking industry from the first hour about what possible trucks we use to transport. Note to self, feed staff before program. (laughs) Uh, Ken, what is in the parts bin this hour? Yeah. Um, the Volvo 360C (gasps) is the self-driving car of your dreams. Yes, it is, sir. (laughs) Okay, go for it. You want one of these, Jack. It's being, now this is, you talk about, you talk about creative disruption. Yep. Okay. You talk about a game changer. Yes. Listen to this. Mm. This is from Volvo. This is what they said when they introduced it. It's being touted. As an alternative to shorter airline flights. Okay. Yeah, I want I want that to settle. Because with this, Volvo says, instead of waiting in security lines and dealing with incessant delays, you'll be lazing around, having tea, reading your latest Woodward book. You could read. And well, in fact, except it's for a, me, because I can't read in the Hold park. on. You can even sleep in the main cabin. With a blanket that has a safety harness. Talk about a security blanket. Boom, boom, bing. Yeah. Um, could you imagine? Could the autonomous RV be far behind? And we've talked about that here, too. A, sa- a blanket. You can sleep with a blanket that will protect you Volvo style. Imagine that. The company is betting on its legendary rigorous safety standards to try to convince the public that inside the belly of the silver whale... You'll be comfy and safe from any harm. 
Volvo will protect you. I'm telling you, the prototype on this. Look, yep, right there. Looks amazing. And you know what? As somebody that I look at, like, old commercials, right? Mm. There was one that they were talking about self-driving vehicles that we should have already had by now. Mm-hmm. Where it was like a bubble type thing. And yep. it almost looked like, a, you know what 60s. I'm talking about? Yes, back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And it had everybody situated. And it's amazing to me how close this soon-to-be reality looks to what they were envisioning well, back in the 60s. Hold on a minute now. Volvo is thinking that this car will not only be available for individuals, yes. but car sharing companies, which are especially popular in cities across Europe. The, com- the company believes that this car, like the 360C, would be a great way to travel anywhere and skip the airplane or the train to travel between cities while you lounge inside. Yep. And talk about lounging. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love I'm showing that. pictures. I love the security blanket. Um. You know, now, it might work. They're not really sure because here's the kicker. If you're going to sleep in this thing, sleeping and laying flat is a different set of problems for protecting you from harm as opposed to setting you in a seat. In a well-bolstered seat, you've got your three-point seat belt, you've got your airbag, you are in a position, kept there in a position by the airbags and everything to protect you. Right. Uh, A million different things could go wrong depending on size, weight, uh, did the blanket fall off? Did you move it? Because some people kick off the covers. Uh, things like no. this. I know. Now, the thing is, the Volvo 360C will be smart enough to interact with pedestrians and other vehicles. Instead of a mere blinker, the vehicle will employ a series of lights and sounds to indicate its intentions. Now, I want to remind both of you, we talked about Ford's uh, attempts probably about a year ago to standardize how an autonomous car communicates to things around it, pedestrians, other cars, bicyclists, um, you know, so you know what this thing's going to do. And right now, those communication methodologies are not standardized yet. Well, I realize they're not standardized, but I just had a brilliant thought. What do you got? I just had an absolutely brilliant thought. Mm -hmm. If this car is going to communicate to somebody... We need somebody's voice that is powerful and will get the point across. Okay, but here's the problem. No, Samuel Jackson. Okay. Hold on. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no. Yeah. That would work. No, here's what I was thinking. Go ahead, you got it. Eddie Murphy. Uh, nah. I like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, but here's, here's the problem, folks. They're not talking about voice because, okay, what language? Oh. You're in New York City, in Brooklyn. What language? Yeah. So you I would, would get have in to have... trouble for what I would say, so I'm going to shut up now. Yeah, but my point is they want, just like our signage, uniform global uh, methodologies to communicate. Well, so that no matter true. where you are in the world, through lighting and maybe sounds, you, do you would know what that vehicle is going to do. And that combination of lights and sounds would always be consistent regardless of manufacturer for that particular uh, 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 move uh, or – you know, whatever it's going to do. You whatever form of communication is. The mm-hmm. only language in the world that is universal. Don't do it. Is sign language. Yeah. I don't anticipate a car doing sign. Yeah, no? No. No? No. It, it would need to be lights and sounds. I was hoping for. Oh, no. <laughs> with the autonomous car. It's a, it's a family show, Jack. I was so Jack. hoping. Jack, it's a family show. Hold on. 
I'm not responsible for what other people type here, oh but, but put basically a message board <laughs> right? on the back of the car. Yes. Oh, no. And yes. have a nice day. Right. <laughs> yeah. Here's what scares me. And this is a quote from Volvo. And, and I'm, I, I'm reading this. Okay. I am reading this. Volvo wants to have an autonomous car, and this is their words, that you can eat, sleep, do whatever in by 2021. I did not make that up. Oh, does that give some possibilities? The only question I ask is, oh, no, where no, no. are you going to put the shower? Uh, oh. Or the restroom. That too. Well, the restroom's easy to do. They could just do some kind of like a like one of the seats flip up because there's Ew. a recliner that's got something like he, that he, where it's got Here's a the issue. I would rather commode. stop. I don't want right? that. Right? I know no. that's oh, – I know. No. Well, I get no. that. Absolutely not. No. So <clears throat> um, we'll see – um, according, I'd like to see if they ever work out the safety blanket. That would be cool. I like that. Yeah. Well, but the only question that I, I've got is, do you have to literally strap yourself in like you're on a stretcher? No. That's the point of the safety blanket itself. Okay. And that's what Volvo is trying to grapple with. Almost like it, it adheres to the edge of the bed. Like I, in my mind, I'm seeing like a magnetic type thing where at the edges of the blanket, it secures and then it kind of. Let me read this some more. Vacuum suction. Um, what they're saying, someone lying down presents different issues. Since the three-point seatbelt is designed to hold you back his shoulder and your hips, where the human body is best able to absorb an impact. But if you're lying down, uh, the geometries change. The blanket would consist of restraints that would tighten around your shoulders and hip areas in the event of a collision or hard breaking. However, um, if you move. How does it know that you are in the right place? Should it choose to do that and maybe clamp something at another part of your body? Well, how many of us sleep on our stomach? How many of us sleep on our side? How many of us sleep on our back? A million different ways, in, in the words of the writer, that this thing could go wrong. Exactly. But let me, let me take this blanket thing um, before we go to break a little further. Imagine a blanket that had the ability to monitor your vitals while yes. you slept. With nanotechnology, which means if you had a problem, if you had, if it knew what your baseline was, and mm -hmm. you differentiated from your baseline, it knew it was you, mm -hmm. and you were having a problem, that it could either report that to the nearest hospital and get you help, or maybe, and I'm talking 30, 40 years from now, administer some level of aid at a primary level right. to get you there. Yeah. When we return. Harley Davidson has been teasing the public about its own organic electric motorcycle, and it seems the time has come. And that's next. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are tuned in to Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive. the new fine car series, the new Packard Executive. Here is a car with a special invitation to people of taste to enter the luxury car class, to own a fine car with a proud name, yet at a cost just above medium price line. The Packard Executive is truly distinctive in its styling. Rich luxury appointments mark its interiors. Here, too, is riding perfection. Packard's exclusive torsion level ride. 
In the Packard Executive, you get famous twin automatic drive as standard equipment and many other exclusive Packard engineering advances. Yes, the new Packard Executive is an invitation for you to enter the luxury car class now at a modest investment. See and drive the new Packard Executive today. Those are things they'll never say about an SUV. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. And I, and I just miss those old-time commercials because you were right, Sasha, when you said this earlier this morning, today. Um, they were classy. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. elegant. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm Ken Chester, your host in studio with Jack and Sasha. And Here. together, we are the Roadworthy Drive crew. And this hour, we're talking about two-wheelers, which make, should make Jack a little crazy. But they're not bicycles. They're motorcycles and scooters. I know. I, I produce a motorcycle talk show every week. I know. but I know. don't mind the motorcycles. Okay. No, okay. no hate for the motorcycles. No hate No hate for the motorcycles. And no love give for me, the scooters. Get, well, the scooters don't bother me that bad either. Yeah, not yet. But we'll talk about that. They might change your mind on that. Now, we're not talking about the pedal bike you had growing up or even the mountain bike you probably have hanging in your garage. This segment is about American manufacturer Harley-Davidson and their commitment to the development of, and Sasha will like this, mm. electric motorcycles. Yes. Finally. Now, little backstory. Harley had bought a manufacturer of electric bikes. Really? Yeah, a few years back. But Harley had not organically developed their own line yet. And they kept saying they would, they would, they would. Um, Harley just opened a brand-new research and development center in Silicon Valley to do exactly that. And they're committing $180 million to bring these new products to market. Okay. They're not fooling around. Now, and they're talking about actually producing upwards of five different um, products. And are you ready for this, Sasha? What do you got? One of them is going to be a Harley-Davidson Electric bicycle. What? Yes. Oh, I've seen those. Those are great. Yeah. Well, you haven't seen a Harley yet because they haven't made it yet. Well, no, but what I'm yeah. saying is I've ridden a bicycle that was electric also. I oh, think okay. we just learned something about Jack. Right. When did this happen? Uh, Six months to a year ago. Actually, actually happened in the hallways here. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You rode a bike in the hall, mm-hmm. in the hallways, mm-hmm. in the building. Mm-hmm. Did the suits know? No. Okay, because we want to make sure, they, keep that, one, that gonna... they didn't know, and two, that they didn't figure out it had anything to do with us. No. Okay. No. And, right. and I'll be honest with you, that was kind of freaky. I'm sure. With the electric assist, it was kind of freaky. Mm-hmm. Well, you think that's freaky? Harley's talking about also developing an electric dirt bike. Ooh. Now, that is going to get really interesting. They're talking about this portfolio is part of their larger plan to shift focus towards, and their quote, a new market of younger, more urban riders. And they have to because their current ridership's getting older. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we're seeing a trend, and it's always been, you know, the teenager has always been the driving consumer. The young adult has always been the driving consumer. Yep. It doesn't matter. Even in the media, you know, we talk about statistics and reach and age all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same for any sort of company that makes any sort of thing for retail sale. We're all chasing the same person. 
I think uh, Sonny and Cher talked about it. The teenager is our new king. Yeah. Well, that's true. And that's the thing. Now, this new R&D center in Silicon Valley is going to open by the end of next year, by the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. It will function as what they call a satellite facility for their current facility in Wisconsin. The initial focus will be electric vehicle research and development, including battery, power electronics, electric vehicle design, development, and advanced manufacturing. They're getting real, kind of because they have to. Now, more than just talk, Harley's been looking to hire engineers across all sorts of various electrical, mechanical, and software disciplines, all critical for electric vehicle development. Because this is crunch time for them. If they don't get this right, they may not make it. Well, yeah, and and you just brought up a point that I'd like to make, Mm -hmm. and that is this. Covering covering motorcycles like I do on my other talk show, um, the question becomes, when we throw this rabbit into the ring, so to speak, what is that going to do for a, for a competition advantage or a disadvantage? Wouldn't that be the same thing, NASCAR, with their plates and horsepower restrictions? I mean, I think there's a way to mitigate that. Right now, and we've talked it, there is Formula One. They call it Formula E, yeah. which is electric. Oh. Uh, open wheel racing. Yes. And then they even have a subset of that called robo racing of electric autonomous vehicles. And that's going on right now. Yep. Okay. Now that's something I didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he was actually in New York, that's one of the things that, I mean, it was all over the New York auto show because it was like the following weekend. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. they were having. And we the... talked about it briefly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the robo ones, they're really cool to watch because I mean, and that's open to anyone. But it's basically their software, and they're there either it's the car and the car censoring the track on its own mm-hmm. and doing the race. Mm-hmm. It's They've really shown cool. videos. It's different. And the question was, why would anybody watch autonomous vehicles race? But you know what? It has an audience. Yes, it does. And I suspect it might even grow. But continuing on here, um, Har- Harley knows they're up against it, that they're – Right now, it's ease of use as opposed to, you know, all the trim, all the maintenance, all the things you have to do with a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's the thing. However, the problem the Harley has right now, there's a company that's making better strides right now called Zero Motorcycles. Yes. Yes, they have. They've already proven that the demand exists for electric motorcycles among younger consumers. Yep. Harley's playing catch up and they better get with it. And they better get moving because, as we've seen before, if you're not if you're not planning now, i.e., Chrysler. Chrysler. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that decision's coming end of month. So, um, but here's the thing: what would a future Harley Davidson product or Harley be known for in this new future? The advantage Harley's got is the fact that. They have been building motorcycles for years. They've got the plant. They've got the know-how. They've got that basic core engineering that people coming into the market trying to engineer electric bikes doesn't have. Right. So it's a challenge for Harley to meld what they know and what they need to know together in something that is desirable, competitive, and priced in a way that younger folk uh, will buy. And I guess we will see how that works out in time. So – I'm rooting for the home team. Go Harley. You got that right. Yeah. Next up, scooter companies are slugging it out for dominance in a number of American cities. (laughs) It is not going well. We discuss. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. 
This is Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Real opinions, real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive with me, Ken Chester, your host. So glad you dropped by. For those of you who want to know more about your new favorite radio show, be sure to check out our website, roadworthydrive.com. Videos of our behind the scenes antics, audio clips of our past shows, and so much more can be found right there, including pictures of me and the rest of the Roadworthy Drive crew. The website is also a great place to discover where we are and what we're up to in the world of social media. Sasha keeps things light and lively during the week between shows. You be sure to like us on Facebook so that you can keep up with what's going on with Sasha and the show. For those of you who are truly mobile, look us up on Google Play, Blueberry Podcasting, and Stitcher. You will be glad you did. Sasha? Yes, sir. Do you have access to the website? I do actually have access to the website. Take all his pictures down. Oh, my. <laughs> Why all the hate all of a sudden? There is no hate here. I, I, I really I'm think he's a, to think it's about him. I really You know am. what? You know what? I think he's a plant from the suits. I do. I'm beginning to wonder. I, I am. I'm beginning to wonder. She's having a moment. She always has a moment. She'll be, she'll be fine in a minute. You know, let 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 her collect herself. It'll be okay. Okay, you mentioned something about scooter wars. <laughs> scooter and it, wars. And here's my question: mm-hmm. Are the scooters having the same problem that the the the, the mm. bikes are having about just being dropped anywhere? Oh, good question. Birds and fruit and other stuff is happening. Oh, good night. You've got Lime. You've got Bird. You've got Uber, Lyft. Pick one. What's going on is very simple. Okay. There's a lot of money being put into electric scooters. Okay. Companies, rather than working with cities and towns, decided that the best way to get control is just inundate it. Show up, drop a bunch, and as the old saying goes, better to ask forgiveness than get permission. And that was their original way of doing things. Until a couple of cities said, you know what? No. No. We're not, no. No, we ain't going to no. <laughs> Ain't gonna have this. Uh, the main city that started that stuff, San Francisco. They put their foot down. Well, I'm sure that they did, but when you say put their foot down, did they just tell them to get out? Pretty much. Here's okay. what happened. Um, they suspended all bikes, then told them if you want in, fill out an application. Here's the stuff we want, and then we'll take a look at it. Um, the little guys won this time. A couple of two lesser-known companies, and I've never heard of them till now, Skip and Scoot, uh, were granted permission for their limited scooter permit program in San Francisco. They told Bird, Lime, Uber, and Lyft they weren't good enough. Wow. 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 Mm-hmm. But you know what? The smaller companies are going to have more to prove. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why. And you know I would have expected the professionalism to come from the larger companies. Well, and I, I would, would have expected them. 
Okay. To put forth the extra effort. Okay, being in the middle of flyover country, being okay. bor- born and raised here. Right. Common sense says to me, if you want long-term success in a city like San Francisco, yep. I realize it's regulations, I realize all that stuff, but you better go in and find out, what do I have to do to be able to have my company be in this town? You're a whole lot better off doing it that way. And I think the big guys just found that lesson out the hard way. Well, yeah. yeah, and this started in March. March, bird, lime, and spin backed by millions of bucks, placed hundreds of scooters all over San Francisco. Like we said, assuming that seeking forgiveness would be the best approach. (laughs) Nope. What they were counting on, uh, in the words of this piece, they were counting on an Uber-esque explosion whereby the tech became so popular, no one would dare ban it for fear of revolt. San Francisco said, (laughs) no. That's not. Get rid of them. Get out of here. Austin, Texas did the same thing. Uh, I think it was uh, either Lyft or Bird dropped a bunch of scooters in Austin all of a sudden. I think it was Bird. Yeah. And the city said, yeah, no. Yep. And as quickly as they showed up, they no, were no, gone. No. And the company left, but left all their bites. I mean, they Why were, would you they, do that? They showed pictures of literally thousands of electric bikes sitting outside a recycling center that the recycling center said, we don't have the ability. And they were like offering them to people and- yeah, I mean, they literally left their trash and just... Now, on the flip side, smaller community, Santa Monica, mm-hmm. um, tried to do the same thing. But in that case, Spin and Scoot didn't win because in Santa, Monica's, Santa Monica's case, uh, they wanted to go with experience. Okay. So they got a reprieve there. Um, but it's interesting to note something about uh, one of the smaller companies that did get into San Francisco. Um their bait, and I believe it was Scoot, is based in San Francisco, but their first city that they went to was Washington, D.C. Oh. Their reason? Because they were able to work with D.C. to create a permit pilot program for electric scooter sharing. And it has been our intention from the beginning to work with cities coll- collaboratively. Uh, collaboratively. Big word. Collaboratively. Yeah. Let's say it together, children. Yes. As the first step. Now, the difference is, unlike Uber, which were just cars, scooters were something completely brand new, uh, stored in places designed for pedestrians, and in your way whether you use them or not. In one month in San Francisco, residents logged over 1,900 complaints with the city. Wow. Yeah, they were not happy. Um, Shifting gears completely for a minute. Um. Well, let me come back to this. Wait a minute. I'm not quite done. I thought I was. I'm not. Yeah. Um, Lime tried to uh, basically uh, push their way in and, ex- and accuse the city of choosing, and I quote, inexperienced scooter operators that plan to learn on the job. Uh, although the city said no, these two, which are smaller, have, and I quote, a proven track record. So the question is, I, I think this is the beginning of this, we haven't seen it out here, but this stuff is coming. Scooters mm-hmm. are catching on because they're inexpensive to rent. Uh, in the height of these wars, you could get it like for a dollar an hour or something to get to where you want to go. Yep. And as an electric scooter beats walking, and you can drop it off wherever you feel like it. You don't have to look for a dock for it. You get to where you're going, that's it, park it, go about your business. Not your problem. They're unlockable via apps, basically. You pay your little dollar and you go. Okay, but the but the issue becomes 
you're dropping a bunch of these in the middle of a neighborhood downtown, someplace where, you know, they're cluttering the landscape. And what do you do? Uh, See, to me, this makes sense. If I'm downtown and I need to go from point A to point B downtown, I take a scooter to get there, bring it back, put it back in the dock, call it a day. But that's the thing. Most of these new programs are dockless. And that's part of the advantage. What they are doing is they're providing incentives for people to drop them off in certain places, either coupons or money or other benefits, gift cards, things like that, to encourage behaviors to get them where they're needed. And you're going to see more creative stuff like that in the future to alleviate some of that. Well, and I think that's what's got to happen. If not, you're going to have a whole country in revolt of we don't want these things in our town. Indeed. Finally, we take a look at the wacky new electric scooter design that's spreading out across the globe. Don't touch that dial. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is America's premier automotive news and information talk show. This is the fourth and final segment of our number two of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Now, if you missed out on the conversation so far, the theme has been two-wheel transportation. From Harley-Davidson's foray into electric motorcycle development to the electric scooter wars that are going on in some cities between competing ride-sharing electric scooter, electric scooter companies. For this last topic, we focus on something called the Miku Max, an interesting cross between a stand-up electric scooter and electric moped Without the pedals. Electric moped. Yeah. Electric, oh, good night. Here, here's a question. Would you order something like that online for delivery if you could? Say for it cost about, I think what they were quoting, $690 American. Whoa, wait, what? For this thing. $690. Yeah. And what's the top speed on that moped? I believe about 28 miles an hour. No. No, and besides the fact, I don't want to have the big red flag sticking up above my head. Oh, I don't mind that, but I need it to go at least 35. Yeah, no. Okay, then no. And you've got about a range of 37 miles, so it wouldn't work for you no way. No. Well, I mean, it would if I lived in, like, Marshalltown, mm-hmm. or if I wanted to just park my... Okay, L- remember this is a cross between a scooter and a moped? Yeah. Ur- can you say urban? Yeah, no, I could say... Yeah. Uh, can you say China? <laughs> That's where they make them. Okay. And it's ironic because the company that makes them is also a lar- a major electric car manufacturer. Really? Yeah. They're known around the world as, I believe they said Sunray. Let me see here. i get this right. Is what it's called. Sunra. I'm sorry. Sunra. Okay. Uh, price, you can order it online. Uh, you can get it shipped to the United States, even though they ha- don't have any dealers here. But you can actually order it online and have it shipped. And it is electric. I understand that. But what I'm beginning to wonder is, would it meet the regulations that we have now? Like oh. what? For a I scooter? Don't, I don't know. Because I know with mopeds, they had regulations. Not that many. No, but they still had regulations. And I'm sure it would meet them at least. Uh, this company's been around from 2007. They do business in 70 countries. 
They have over 5,000 employees, including 500 engineers. They make, let's see, they have an annual production capacity. I'm reading from their website. Four million electric vehicles of various models, which includes electric bicycles, scooters, motorcycles, tricycles. There you go, Jack. Electric tricycles. There you go. And electric cars. And they and did I mention they do business in 70 countries? Yes, you did. Including Russia. Ooh. And they have a dealer in Russia. Really? Yes, they do. Now, the most obvious country to me that comes to mind immediately when I see something like this, India. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's going on is you might actually see one of these in the near future. Um, the big thing, and we've talked about mobility on this show and the mobility mosaic. Most of our, most of the world lives in cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cities are crowded. Yep. Cars are an issue. Public transportation, not always convenient and never seems to go that last mile and a half you need to go. Right. And I'm speaking from personal experience of years of riding public transportation in Boston. I didn't own a car until the day before I graduated college, six weeks after I got married. Didn't need to. All you needed, MB, MBTA had levels of passes. They had six different passes. Mm-hmm. If you were able to pay for the fanciest pass, mm-hmm. you didn't need a car within 40 miles of Boston because you had it would let you ride commuter rail, bus, train, trolley, anything. If it was public transportation, it moved. That top-end pass would let you ride it all. Designated horse? Pretty much. Okay. If it had an MBTA sticker on it, yes. Nice. So whatever worked. Piggyback. Um, and that was then. I mean, I'm talking over 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, and it's more involved now. My most recent trip back that way how to handle some family business i found out that pretty within five six miles of where i grew up mm-hmm. i could catch the train all the way into boston oh 50 miles away wow on the hour really wow either direction monday through sunday what yeah yeah i was standing in a small town along that route where i grew up mm-hmm. and i looked at the schedule and it was on the hour even on the weekends. There was no reason to own a, really to own a car within 50 miles of Boston unless you were going somewhere where there was no public transportation. If you were going out of town, literally. Or out of the area. Now, bikes like this, the beautiful thing about this, unlike your typical moped or scooter, is it gives you, one, the ability to configure it in such a way where you could haul stuff. Where the typical scooter's not set up that way, this kind of is. It's a little funky design. Wow. You know, it, it's, it's funky. It's, it's funky looking. But it gives you the ability to put stuff underneath where you're sitting. So you don't have to sit. You don't have to stand like you would a scooter. You can sit on the thing. You can balance some stuff. I mean, this would be perfect for somebody who needed to haul some stuff, particularly if you lived urban. And you want to bring back your groceries, mm-hmm. you know, you live single, maybe in a studio apartment or something. Yeah. You you put baskets on this thing. You outfit this thing. You could haul all day. Now, okay. do you see this for, like, maybe pizza delivery people or something like that? Uh, Probably not because I wouldn't want to be riding this thing in the wintertime. That, that's true. Well, but the other thing, too, is you could put the pizza oven underneath the... Oh, right, and that way and, it would cook it. Oh, my well, God. It, well, either cook it or, or, or take it. Yeah. But... I'm going to go back to something I just thought of. 
At what point in time are you going to get so many of these on the road that you all of a sudden realize, I better have a helmet? Well, they recommend you should have a helmet anyway. Well, yeah. good. Even if you're riding a scooter, they're suggesting that. And that's always been the thing for moped yeah. riders, any, any too. Two we- be honest, any two-wheeler, including a pedal bike. And some cars. Hey, I, you, know, <laughs> wow. you know, I grew up. Leave the passenger cars alone and stop hating. I grew up in the Do 70s. You consider those smart cars passenger Wow. Hello, my turn. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, 70s. Um, I grew up in the 70s. I never had a bike helmet. Never, ever, ever, never. Now, when I got to the 90s and I was riding bike trails, first thing I had to do, put a helmet on, get, get the elbow and knee pads, and go. Is that an age thing? Did you honestly put on elbow and knee pads? Did I? Yes. That would have been an interesting concept right there. No, oh, well. And, no, and, actually, definitely, and definitely not a visual that we need to well, share. Well, actually, the whole thing was when you have an accident, you're very glad you have them. It only takes one, like they say. There you go. Um, may I mention that this thing's actually powered by a Bosch electric motor? What? And really? A, a, yeah. And a 20-amp uh, hour removable lithium battery. Okay, for that range of 37 miles. Okay, it is a range of 37 miles. 37 miles. Okay. But it doesn't wow. take long to recharge it. So so there you go. And, you know, a little a little extra something to clean the palate. Look for this. Uh, Maiku Max coming to a place near you. That brings us to the end of the second hour. On behalf of Jack, Sasha, and myself, thank you for listening. See you next week. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.